Thank you, Brother Aaron. Let's continue in worship. If you have your Bibles, if you'll find your place in the Gospel of John, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. May the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you today. If you're a guest, those of you who are watching online, may the Lord bless you. We miss you. We pray for you to be with us as you have opportunity. We've been for some time talking about what it means to be dead to the world. And we're coming to the end of those uh, ideas and thoughts from the Word of God. We're in John chapter 17, this wonderful prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ for all believers of all generations. It's a wonderful thing to think about that the Lord Jesus was praying for you before you were born as a believer in Jesus Christ. And He was also praying for His loved, beloved disciples these apostles, as they were about to go out and share the gospel, and the gospel was shared, and the gospel was shared. And here it came around to our generations, and we have the Word of God that's been given to us. And we have, many of us in different ways, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And oh, how, to, how sweet and wonderful it is to think about today that the Lord Jesus continues to pray for us as His believers. In the days that are upcoming, Lord willing, as I have the opportunity... We'll be coming to think about and consider together what I believe is a very important truth that I, I believe will bring great comfort to us and encouragement as we'll talk about in some detail the Lord Jesus as our great high priest. And so I'll have more to say about that in the days ahead. Well, here is his high priestly prayer. He prayed it on the earth. He continues to pray and uh, for us in heaven. We've been talking about being dead to the world, Galatians chapter 6. Paul said it, it is the principle for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. I've been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. That's who you are now in Christ. The world crucified you just like it crucified Jesus Christ because you do not follow the world's dictates. You do not live, you don't fit in anymore. You're a follower of Jesus. You were crucified by the world just like the Lord. When the Lord was crucified, those who believe in Him, we experienced a crucified life. And so many things that we've said about that, I cannot review all of those today. We come back to these blessed words beginning in John chapter 17, and I'll read what we looked at last week, because the focus last week was about the Lord praying for us because we are in the world. Now this week we look at the other side of the truth, and that is that we're in the world, but we're not, as the Lord says, of the world or like the world. So we'll read back uh, beginning in John chapter 17, verse number 11. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Then we come to our focus today, 13 through 16. But now I come to you, and these, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may hear that they that hear may have my joy full in themselves. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. Our focal truth today is this, that Jesus Christ prayed for believers of all generations. That includes those of us who are present in this room or hear my voice or read these words, wherever they are. The Lord Jesus prayed for believers to be in the world, but not like the world. This was his prayer request for us. His prayer request for us was, yes, be in the world, be busy about what he's called us to do. We'll talk more about that in detail next week, Lord willing. But right now, the, the picture is what we're like. Some of you have lived in foreign countries. You've lived in places far away from where you grew up, maybe even somewhere in the United States. And as you live there, you constantly had this feeling that you did not fit. You did not belong. The, the language seemed strange, the customs, the, the, the way in which people carried themselves, the way they did their daily affairs. You just, you, you felt always as if you didn't belong and you were glad to come back to your home or somewhere that was much more familiar to you. That's exactly the way it is when you come to know Jesus Christ, my friends. We, we now don't fit anymore in the world. And though there are times when we are tempted and we're drawn back into sometimes the worldly ways that are around us and ideas and thoughts, they never settle for us who are believers in Jesus Christ. But we are tempted because we live in the world and the devil tempts us and our flesh can be drawn in. So it's important for us to see, and I'm going to just simply take us through verses 14 and 15 in some detail these three observations today that I want us to see. Number one, the Lord Jesus gave his words to believers so that they might be, uh, that they might not be like the world. How is it that we get our distinctiveness and our uniqueness? Well, one of the ways is the word of God. What does he say? What does the Lord say in his prayer to the heavenly father in 1714? The first words, I have given them your word. I have given them your word. The second observation is found as you continue in verse 14. And the, the observation that I give you is this, that the Lord Jesus prayed for believers who are hated by the world because they are not like the world, but like Jesus Christ. This is the issue. We are not like the world. Followers of Jesus are like Jesus Christ and like how the Lord lived in the world. That's the way we live. So what did the Lord say? And the world, this is verse 14, 17, 14. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then finally, the third observation is this. It's a very important truth. And I want us to make sure we have some time here because sometimes this is lost in our thinking about the world. But the Lord Jesus prayed that believers who live in the world be protected from the devil in the world. We're not like the world. The devil comes after those who are not like what he wants them to be. 
And so this matter, he says in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. The Lord loved us enough, as I've said a few weeks ago. This is quite an interesting thought. The Lord loves his people so much. He loves his children so much that he leaves us in the world, but he prays for our protection while we're in the world. And we're thankful for that because the Lord's prayer is answered as we live for him and seek to follow him. So let's go back now and look at verse number 14 and 15. Let's come back to this, oh, this blessed truth. The Lord Jesus gave his word to believers so that we might not be like the world. How would we ever know how to live were it not for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? I've spoken to this church in detail last year on a topic called Truths That Last. We walked through the earlier chapters of John's gospel in some detail. We looked, especially in John's gospel, at a few other places where the Lord said these words, truly, 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 truly. The Lord was saying, this is truth in order to remind us that there are words that are error. There is truth and there is error. There is truth and there are lies. And the world is filled with lies and falsehood and deception. Because of the evil one, the devil, and what he seeks to do, as Paul says, he blinds the minds of those who do not believe. We're all praying about our, our one that God's put on our heart. But you must remember that their eyes are blinded. They cannot see and understand the truth as you share the gospel. Oh, that wonderful thing as the Holy Spirit starts to work on them, we pray for them. And like all of us who are believers in this room, they, they come awake, they wake up, they wake out of their sinful sleep and they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing it is, but it all starts with the word of God. You, where would you be if you did not have this blessed book? Where would you be if you could not turn to these words that our, that our um, spiritual fathers, the apostles worked so hard in difficult times? They didn't write these words in a vacuum. They didn't write these words for us when it was easy. They were under persecution. They were struggling every day to survive in a world that hated them as apostles and followers of Jesus. And the church continued to go and share the gospel. <clears throat> and we are privileged to have the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of God's word. It all matters. But I love what the, what the Lord said to the Heavenly Father about His work. I have given them your word. That's our work. We're now to give His word to the next generation. That's what we do up here. I, I spoke about that in some detail a few weeks ago when we talked about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I've said. This is our job. This is why we're up here. We're up here to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and teach those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything the Lord has taught. And there's a lot for us to learn. I have given them your word. And what does it do? It brings joy. Look at verse 13. There's no joy like the word of God in a world of sadness, wickedness, and godlessness that continues to devolve and grow worse. 17, 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in them. This is where the joy comes when I'm facing my hardest day 
in my, in my Christian life, whatever it may be, whatever trouble, whatever difficulty, you know what comes? The Word of God comes. Because I've had my teachers and you've had yours. Because we have read the Word of God. Because we've spent time in prayer. The Holy Spirit serves up to us at just the right way and just the right need. The Word of God, just how you need it in your circumstance where you are that day. I have given them your word. It brings joy to the believer's life. I have given them your word. What does John say about the Lord Jesus in John chapter 1? The word became flesh. That is, the Lord Jesus Christ is the very word of God. To know what God says, you have to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks for God, the unseen God. He is the one who describes. He is the word of God sent from God in order to speak for God in this world. I have given them your word. These words give eternal life. Listen, I'm just quoting some of the Lord's wonderful words. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Have you believed in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? John 8, 31. If you continue in my words, you're truly my disciples. A John 17, 8. We read it last week. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. This is the way we do it. This is what we're about in this world. We're about giving the words of the Lord Jesus to the next generation. They received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ and be saved without the word of God. And more particularly, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's joy. There is this, there is this awesome power in the words of the Lord Jesus. They are the very words of God. They give eternal life. They are words that cleanse us from our sin. The Lord has said to these disciples earlier in John chapter 15, 3, when he was with them in the upper room, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What is it that cleanses my mind from my old perverted ways of thinking? What is it that cleanses my mouth from speaking words that are dishonorable to God and to my neighbor? Why, it's the word of God. As I read the word of God, as I'm taught how to live and I live in holiness and godliness, as Paul said, we saw it a few weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. That's what we do. We cleanse ourselves by confessing our sin and by taking the word of God and letting it fill our minds. And then, of course, the word of God is the very truth of salvation Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ was buried for our sins. He, was, he died for our sins, buried. He rose the third day, praise God. He ascended to heaven and he's coming again. This is the gospel. These are the words we share all over the world. This is what makes you uniquely a believer in Jesus Christ. You now have words that the world does not have. I want to remind you of this today. Uh, some of you grew up in a different time like I did. I grew up in a time where most people in our town were at least familiar with the truths of the Bible. They were at least familiar with the gospel stories. That's no longer true. You're surrounded by people who truly live lives of wickedness and paganism. I went, uh, went to California as a young man. 
In my 20s, we started a church there. And for the first time, I discovered people who didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. I'm not making this up. They never had a Bible. We led a, a dear lady to Christ who was in our church for many years. And we started having Bible studies, Pat and I with some others. And we were gathering. One day she discovered, she said, I had no idea as she grew, I had no idea there were translations of the Bible. She said, I just thought there were black Bibles, red Bibles, and green Bibles, and brown Bibles, and black ones. You cannot assume that your friends know who Jesus Christ is. You cannot assume that your friends know the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I've spoken to you about many times, when you speak to someone, blessing, say the name. Say the only name that matters. Say the name. Don't be afraid to say the name. Say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Speak in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is power in His name. I have given them your word. Perhaps the day will come when we stand before the Lord the judgment seat of Christ to give account for what we've done as believers. And we stand as a church and we say, we gave them your word. We gave our generation your word. We gave it to our children. We gave it to our grandchildren. We gave it to every generation we had touch with in this church. That's five at least generations that come here. I have given them your word. What do we do? What, how are we most like the Lord Jesus Christ? And how are we least like the world when we live by God's word and we give his word to others in the world? Secondly, the Lord Jesus prayed for our protection. Excuse me. He prayed for us because we're hated by the world because we're not like them. Anybody who's gone to a job or school or in some group of people that you've run with and you don't line up and do what everybody else does, you get made fun of, you get... Uh, treated in an unusual way. And here the Lord says, the world has hated. I have given them your word and notice, and the world has hated them. The, the world is not interested in gathering around God's word. The world is not interested in the words of the Lord Jesus. The world is not interested in these things. In fact, they would say, well, this makes me feel guilty and I don't like to feel guilty. The fact of the matter is that hatred comes because we live by words that are not the words of the world. We live by the counsel and advice and will of one whom we follow and have surrendered to as our Lord. And we don't follow the dictates of the world. We just don't fit in. We're not interested in what they're telling us and we're not buying what they're selling. We've rejected it. It does not mean we're uninformed about the things of the world. It doesn't mean we're not educated and trained and we, we live in the world and we practice these things and we learn skills and abilities in our jobs. It's about the attitude of living like the world lives. And because we don't, you see, the world hates us. I take you back to John 15, 19. Here's the Lord warning the disciples and I'm warning you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. As people will say, oh, you Christians, you always act like you're so special. We're not special. We're just saved by the grace of God and we're children of God. We don't fit in anymore. We don't like to run around and do all the wickedness we used to do. 
We don't want to cuss anymore. We don't want to, we don't want to commit adultery and live in sexual sin anymore. We want to live in holiness. We want to love people and share the gospel and minister to people. We're not interested in what's in it for us. We're not in it so that we can be the most popular. And <clears throat> you see, the world doesn't like that. We'll be hated. And oh, by the way, we'll be hated as the Lord said, because you talk about me. You'll be hated because of my name. That's why I say to this church, I'm trying to practice it in my own life. If I'm going to speak to someone, I'm also going to speak to them about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say it regardless of what kind of response I get. Step up every Christian man in this room. Step up every Christian woman in this room. Be a man or woman of God and speak in the name of Jesus Christ into the darkness and in the world. That's what we do. And you'll be hated for it. You'll be marginalized for it. You'll be made fun of. But that's all right. What they did to the Lord Jesus, they will do to you. If you live like him. This matter of being hated by the world, Peter sums it up in a very good way. 1 Peter 4.3. 1 Peter 4.3. Let me just read it to you. If you have your Bible close by, you can look it up. You might mark it. But this is important for us to hear. 1 Peter 4.3. The time past is sufficient for you as a believer to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. He's describing living like a lost person. Having pursued a course of sensuality. That's what you did. You chase sensuality. I don't need to stand up here and give you examples of that. Just turn on all your devices. It's everywhere. It covers it up. That's what you ought to be thinking about with your children and grandchildren. How soon you put a loaded weapon in their hands. And what you're watching all the time. What they see you watch is what they watch. It all is this matter of what's in the world. A course of sensuality and lust. Drunkenness. Carousing. Drinking parties and abominable idolatries. Peter didn't even go on to elaborate. In all of this, they are surprised. That is the world. They are surprised at you as a believer that you do not run with them to the same excesses of dissipation. You used to do it. You used to cuss with the best of them. You used to drink more than all the rest of them. You used to live in ungodliness and sexual immorality, perhaps even living in uh, fornication and, uh, and, and committing adultery. Living in all kinds of sinfulness and drinking your life away and taking drugs and alcohol and living in a world where you're numb to the world every day because frankly you've already discovered there's nothing in the world worth living for. They're surprised that you do not anymore run into the same excesses. And then it says, 1 Peter 4, 3, and they malign you. They start calling you names. They start accusing you of things. They start calling you a hater rather than a lover because you're not like them, because you have different standards, because you've separated your life. From the way they used to live. You've set boundaries in your life. I said to all my, my cow farmers in here the other day. When we were talking about boundaries. And separating yourself from the world. Are your fences down? I'm asking every believer in here. Are your fences down? Are you, you, you got some little place you're still running through the fence. Where you're getting back over in the world. It's not going to work. You don't fit in. You see to be 
to be not of the world like the Lord Jesus, we give others the word. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could give, we could understand the word and give it to others as they receive Christ. And finally, the Lord Jesus prayed that believers would live in the world protected from the devil in the world. I'm going to take the time for just a moment and ask you if you have your Bible uh, open, if you just, and to many of you in here, uh, I know you well, but I still want you to look at it in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's come to some famous words. If you will turn there for just a moment. I won't go long, but I, I don't want to elab over elaborate, but I want to see this because I do want us to talk about our struggle. Ephesians chapter 6. What's your struggle today? Who are you wrestling with today? This is really the question. I am humored by the fact that many still, even in the Christian world, kind of grin and wink. And when you start talking about the devil, kind of like that's an outdated thing that, you know, people in the old days used to talk about the devil. But my, we're past the devil. Are you past the devil? Or you, somebody's fooled you. The Lord Jesus said in John 17, 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Listen to me. Listen to the word of God. But to keep them from the evil one. There is an evil one, as I began this whole set of talks on this, there is an evil one who has established a world system in order to keep people blinded from the truth of God so they'll never be saved, so they'll go to hell. He is one who's filled with lies. He is the father of lies. He is the God of this world. He is the one that he wants everyone to bow to and surrender to. He is the one who comes after and attacks relentlessly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, along with all of his demons, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. He is the one who resists the work of God in the world as we share the gospel. This is a real enemy. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle. You're going to have this struggle until you're gone from this earth. It's the struggle of the church from the beginning. And praise God, we go to the revelation and see those glorious days when finally our struggle with our arch enemy ends and he is thrown into the eternal lake of fire and burns forever with eternal destruction. But this is the one whom we have to do with. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 Our struggle, here's what Paul's saying, it's spiritual with a spiritual enemy. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. They are everywhere in this world order. Against the, principle, uh, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. All oh, these powers, these powers of the evil one, they find their way into Hollywood. They find their ways into movies. They find their ways into songs. They find their ways into all kinds of things. Do you see the evil in the world? Are you able to see it? Are you, are you walking with blindness as a believer? Are you oblivious to this struggle you have with the evil one? It's not a struggle that you lose. In fact, it's one you overcome. We read in verse 13, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able, here's the great word, to resist in the evil day. And evil days come every day in the believer's life. Evil days come every day in the believer's life. You will find 
that you are, have one standing against you, seeking to discredit you, seeking to demonstrate that what we do as God's people doesn't matter. I remind you of this. If the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, I can assure you, he's going to tempt you. You're not beyond temptation. The sad thing is that many believers do not stand their ground with the armor of God on. And this is what Paul says, stand firm. And then he mentions all the armor of God. Yes, this is what we do. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Why do I need to be strong in the Lord? Why do I need to have the power of God? It's because of my spiritual opponent and your spiritual opponent, the evil one. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Here are the great words that we read all through the promises of the apostles. First of all, John said in 1 John 5, 19, in his letter, this is something every believer knows. I'm going to quote now something that you should already know. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God as believers and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I'll just tell you this, just when you, during the who's your one, as you seek to share the gospel with your one, you watch, you watch the resistance, you watch the spiritual things that happen when you're trying to share the gospel. The whole world lies, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He is the one who controls this world system. He is the one who loves to see destruction and death and wars and corruption and wickedness in high places. He's the one who establishes these things. But you see, the Lord prayed for us to be protected. Here's the good news for all of us. Paul said it in 2 Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Aren't you glad to hear that today? You see, the believer stands against the devil, and guess what the devil does? James 4, 7, he runs away. You see, believers talk back to the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't cavil, we don't fall down, we don't cringe. However, we're saddened by this fact. Oh, my friend, I hope you're burdened about your one. The one you know who is without Jesus Christ is bound up by Satan and his lies. And it takes the power of the gospel to set them free. And we must do what God's called us to do. So how do we, how do we move along? How do we remember? What do we do with these things? Well, I have just several things just to repeat. Believers in Christ do not belong to the world. How did the Lord say it to us, my dear brothers and sisters? It's right here. I speak in the world so that they may hear my word and have their joy full. And the world has hated them because I've given them your word. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Verse 16, they are not of the world as I am not of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're never going to fit in in the world. You renounced it. You walked away from it. It never will fit you again. It never will fit you again. Now you follow Jesus. And that's what fits just right. The words of the Lord Jesus Give believers everything they need in the world. Praise God for the Word of God. I pray that you are spending your time in the Word of God, reflecting, praying, doing what you must do. And then I remind you of 1 Peter 5, 8. I believe I have it here for you. Uh, be of sober spirit, believers. Yes, 
Uh, wake up. Pay attention to the times. Be sober of spirit and be on the alert. Watch, watch what's going on around you. Pay attention spiritually to what's happening in your life, in your family's life, in your life. Your adversary, that's who's after you. The, that's who wants to discredit you. He can't, he can't uh, destroy you, but he wants to, he's your adversary. He's always accusing you. He's always saying you're not good enough. He's your adversary. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. He prowls around. Think of this language. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So what do we do? 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him in your faith in Jesus Christ to the praise of the glory of his grace. The Lord is near to the door. The Lord is near to the door. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus.